Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 108. And today we're talking with one of our friends who has been taking big steps and learning to build as well as building her YouTube channel. Tamar from 3x3 Customs isn't afraid to try new things, and today she shares with us some great tips on just starting and not being afraid to fail. And John is traveling, so I get to do both of the parts of the intro today. Tamar has really built a great following over the last two years. She published her first YouTube video almost exactly two years ago and has over 92,000 subscribers already. She also just passed 100,000 followers on Instagram and has a thriving blog as part of her business. But before we get into it, we do want to thank a new member that joined the MFP Patron Tribe this week. We had Graham at Minerva Enterprises. Graham, thank you so much. If you want to support the show and get some awesome rewards, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit. But without further ado, here is our interview with Tamar from 3x3 Custom. Welcome back to another interview, guys. And uh, we have a new up-and-comer, one of our friends, Tamar from 3x3 Custom. Tamar, welcome to Made for Profit. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. We're excited to talk to you. And and uh, I think just your stuff has been amazing to watch and see your growth coming so quickly. But a lot of folks may not know who you are. So why don't you give us a little insight into uh, who you are and what your channel is and, and uh, how you got started here? Sure. So um, my name is Tamar and my Instagram name is 3x3Custom and that's YouTube as well. And I originally started my Instagram in July of 2016, I think. Um, And I started it just um, for the community aspect of it, just to find other people who were into what I was doing, share what I was doing. And I really thought that it was originally going to be um, like a retail thing, like I was going to be selling my items. And that's where the the name 3x3 came from. I thought it was just like a cool logo to put on a cutting board or something, you know? <laughs> it is. And a, then, it's very like the, the symmetry of your logo makes me very happy. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yes. that is so wonderful. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the name actually came around the logo, but whatever. Um, so I was just sharing as I was learning things like, hey, look what I just learned. And I shared it on Instagram and I saw that people were... Um, liking what I was doing and people were learning along with me, which I thought was really cool. And I was about a year into my Instagram account. I think I had around 10,000 followers and I, some people convinced me to go to the Haven conference Mm -hmm. and that's kind of where everything took a pivot. And I decided to focus on the whole social media part of it and the YouTube. That's when I decided to start YouTube and um, I think it was the best decision that I've made because I am having so much fun and I'm loving this journey that I'm on. And um, I just try to I, I'm not scared of tackling anything new. Like I'll see something and be like, all right, I'll try that and follow along as I try to figure it out. And I think that that's something that people enjoy watching and I enjoy doing. So I'm just having a good time. And yeah, I'm having fun. <laughs> that's awesome. Now, now for um, 
or like the because I know as you've gotten into it, you've gotten into the whole uh, monetization aspect of it as well. So is this stand at a side business for you at the moment? Um, you know, how does this tie into uh, from an actual business perspective? Right. So um, I would say my full time job is a mom is a mom. So I'm totally focused on family when the kids are home. All the work is done. I'm, I'm focused on the family. Kids are on vacation, off from school. No work gets done. So this is just something that I do while while the kids are at school, kind of thing. And it's become it's become my job also. But I am, yeah, I am making money on it now. The first year, I I, I wasn't. The first year, I, I guess I broke even, which isn't so bad. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is my set my second year going into YouTube, and it's it's becoming a, a legit business that I'm able to do while the kids are at school and. And, um, yeah, it's, it's great. <laughs> yeah. I know I know you with your kids. Cause I remember I was watching, uh, I know you I see them in there, but, uh, watching like your table saw sled video and you were like, uh, all right, hold on. And you're like, you were like going through something and you're like, you're like, you're like wrangling a kid at the time. And then <laughs> you're like trying to show some parts of the table saw sled. And then you're like, Hey, come, come here, just move over a little bit. Maybe. Okay. And here's how, <laughs> and yeah. I just like, I like that. Uh, I thought it was cool that, you left that in there to show, you know, that that you weren't polishing it to be like, oh, like, oh, you know, just like I got to reshoot that and go in there, <laughs> get on your iPad, you know, get on the TV, whatever. You're just like, no, like this is me. This is my life in this moment. And I, I think that's really cool. And like you said about learning along the way, I, uh, that's one of the parts I really like about your videos and your style, too, is that you are. Uh, you know, very transparent, very open and not trying to portray yourself as an expert, but just like, hey, this is my journey and here's what I'm learning and, you know, learn along with me and let me share what I've learned because this is really cool. And like, you know, making wooden dowel slide drawers like that was awesome. I love that was like one of my favorite builds of yours. Was, that was really cool. Thanks. Uh, that When I actually thought of that idea, I was like, did I just think of that? <laughs> is this gonna work <laughs> so figuring that all out was such a fun process and i loved sharing it um yeah i i've never i never claimed to be an expert in anything and i think that people know that and people know i tell them at the top of the videos and i say hey this is i want to try this follow along and see how i figure it out you know and it's cool yeah, yeah. I love that transparency in your content. It's actually my favorite part is to go along in the journey of what you're doing. And you'll, you know, you experiment with a lot of jigs and techniques and you're like, Hey, never done this one before, but we're giving it a go. And, and who knows how many attempts it'll take. Um, and that just, I think in any type of content production that, uh, that kind of transparency leaves the door open for relatability, right? Like how many people you're, you're trying to make your content approachable to people, um, who could potentially be trying to get into making, you know, basically anything, um, specifically woodworking with your channel. And and I love how you're like, well, we're going to try this. Yeah, I don't know if that was the right way to do it, but it worked like and then you do things that are uh, a little bit uh, a little bit more of a stretch, I would say, in difficulty is like guitars, for instance, like your guitar bills are absurdly impressive. And like I, I'm I'm. Uh, I'm terrified of trying to build something like that. And you're just like going at it. I think you use like a Forstner bit to remove some parts of one of them one time. And, and it was just so impressive to see that fearlessness come through, but not doing it to the extent of like, Hey, I'm going to go tackle a monster project and you're not capable of doing this. You know, it's, it's like, Hey, you can try this too. 
Um, and, and leaving it kind of a little bit raw in that fashion, I think adds a lot of value to any sort of brand. And, and when Brad and I talk to people who are trying to create content strategies for their brands, everyone's trying to buffer that out. They're like, you know, I, I, that doesn't seem professional at all. That doesn't seem like it would be something my audience would want to see. Have you, have you felt like a vibe with your brand in that you leave it a little bit more open to like, Hey, I'm experimenting. And, and has, do you think that that's what's led to your success up to this point? I think totally. I think that it's relatable. I'm, I'm being real. I never pretend to be something and I'm not, I'm not trying to pretend that I'm putting out perfection. And I think that that's shows people that they can do it themselves. Like, Hey, like, look, I didn't know how to do this a day ago and now I just figured it out. So you could figure it out too. So that's my whole, my whole thing is if I could do it, you could do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And especially also if women see me doing it, then we'll get some more women makers. And I think that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How do you, how do you see your, your main audience? You know, what, who is your audience in your mind? Do you get like a lot of feedback from a certain group? Is it women? Is it, you know, new people? Is it, you know, what, what does that look like for you? So it is mostly men is my audience, but there are women who reach out to me all the time saying, I started word working because I saw your videos or I show your videos to my daughter, people will say. And that's, those are the best kinds of comments when people say that they, their daughters can't wait to watch my videos. It's like, yes, all right. We're going to get another one, you know? Um, so uh, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> it was just about your audience. Just wondering about that, uh, you know, that transition of, you know, because when we try to, as brands and as content creators, we're always trying to figure out, you know, who's our audience and and how do we serve to them best? And so just wondering of, you know, how as a newcomer, how you've started to think about that or is it more just your own personal journey and you're just, you know, whoever wants to come along for the ride comes along for the ride and, and you're more, you know, your channel is more about your ex- experimentation and journey as a new woodworker and as a learning woodworker type, you know, type thing. It's totally the latter. This is my journey and I'm sharing everything that I'm learning along the way. And if someone else finds that helpful, awesome. You know, like, I'm not going out and trying to make some viral videos, viral projects that are out there. I'm making stuff that I need for my family and um, making stuff that I know won't be a popular video. Uh, you know, I my son needed a, not he needed, but he wanted a go board. I don't know if anybody knows what that is, but um, like I knew like no one's going to be searching go board, you know, but it's a pro- it's something that he wanted. So I made the project. It was for me, my family. If one or two people find that helpful along the way, great. I think that's awesome. So, um, yeah, I, I don't I'm not trying to, like, go out and find an audience. And who am I who am I who am I trying to make these videos for? I'm making them for myself. If someone finds it helpful and useful, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's I think that's something that is uh, it's very difficult for a lot of people to do. Like, I know I specifically struggle with it because my audience, like, I want to do whatever I want. And as a content creator, if you're trying to grow, at least in in my experience, it's very difficult to look at the spectrum of especially something like what we do in, in the maker community and see what's working for a lot of people and what what people are looking for um, trends and styles and whatever and then if you're somewhere different, you know, do you tailor your content to try and fit that niche? Do you just stick to your own guns? 
And I struggle with it a ton because I, I am ex- I'm very impatient when it comes to seeing other people succeed in things that I know are just total trends, right? Like let's like epoxy, for instance. Like I just literally published an epoxy video three days ago. That'll be oh, and it was awesome. Yeah, but, and thank you. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is I didn't do it for the sake of the trendiness of the project. I did it because the client was looking for something unique and it was an application in which I could use something trendy, but also incorporate what they wanted in their vision for the brand. But I thought the video inherently would definitely just fit right in. And and it's not been performing as well as I expected. And so I look at things and I'm like, you know, going back to what you were just saying, it's like, this is, you know, your journey, right? This is people following along with your growth, which has been exponential and amazing to watch um, over the course of the the first video you've put out till now. And you're sticking to that. Um, it's, it's a very admirable because I, I know as content creators how easy it is to go, hmm, you know, this is super hot right now. Maybe I should do 63 projects in that, you know, <laughs> in that category and, and try and grow my channel. Um, so just wanted to give you a, a little tip of the cap because I, that is it is not difficult to stay true to something something like that when you're watching this entire space just explode with certain you know kind of trendy topics. Thanks. Yeah. Have you you seen any difficult? Do you struggle with that? Like, do you struggle with seeing, I don't know, any like things outside of what you want to be making for yourself and and being feel like you're being drawn or pulled that way? Um, not really. I I mean, yeah, of course, like I want to like make some video that's going to get like millions of views and it's going to be widespread. Of course, I want that. But I'm not going to sacrifice my 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 voice and my integrity and do something that's just totally out of my wheelhouse just to get that or something that that, that a project that, that I don't really um, love or have a feel for or have a need for just like something to just throw out there. So, yeah, yeah, I guess um, just uh, your video, that epoxy video. I loved that you um, called out using the insanely, ridiculously expensive tools. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's. Some- I thought that was amazing. It's something I constantly get. It's like, you have such nice tools. I'm like, what do yep. you want me to do? Like, I mean, I look at those comments at the same way like we all look at a Ferrari. Like, you don't sit there and get mad at a Ferrari. Like, you're like, man, I'd love to have that or drive that or like be somewhere near it and like take a photo. Like, I don't know. It's I think it's like I, I've been truly blessed to be able to uh, like upgrade my tools over time. Um, and I have bought a lot of them. But I, so those comments, I'm always I, I when yeah. I put that out there, Brad's like, well, this should be interesting. You literally <laughs> called out the entire audience. Because <laughs> that is something that I, that now as I am getting sponsors and I am um, people are sending me more stuff. Mm-hmm. I do get those comments now. I like. Uh, oh, this is just an ad for that for yeah. that insanely expensive jig. But like, you can figure out another way to do it. You don't need that expensive tool. Like, there's always another way. So that is something that I'm struggling with right now for sure. Yeah. yeah. How's that transition been? Like, come get it coming in because that that that's a that's where a lot of our listeners are too, right? They are uh, out there trying to do the content game, whether it's just Instagram or maybe it's YouTube as well, and they're starting to figure out how to navigate the waters of working with sponsors. So it, it's like, you know, before you were working with sponsors, you're just doing like, you, you know, you have the tools you have and and you bought them all and you're just using them and everything is so natural and easy. You don't even give any of it a thought. 
and then and then that first time that that tool shows up and you're super excited you're like yes this is amazing but then like all of a sudden there's you know with any tool with anything from a corporate brand comes some expectation like whether that's written or unwritten because there are you know some companies are just like yeah whatever like I, I don't care what you do with it we just you know we love what you're doing and here have this like there's still an uh, at least a feeling of it like how how did that work like as because you're you're still fairly new to this what did that feel like and and how did you navigate that of thinking like oh man they just sent me this and, and like now like how you know should I be using this differently do I need to get my do I need to take shots differently so that I can make sure that people know what kind of tool it is you know walk us through a little bit how that looked uh and and how you've been navigating through it sure so um yeah when it, I first started getting tools, insanely exciting. Like, I can't believe that someone's sending me a tool. Um, and I, I think that I've, I think my, my, my audience or my followers have grown to trust, um, what I, my opinions and what I put out there, because I don't necessarily post everything that anyone sends me. People send me stuff all the time. If I like it, I'll post about it. And I make that clear when someone is offering me something. So it's not just like, oh, hey, I got this awesome tool. It, I will test it out first before letting anybody know if they should buy it as well, because that's like the last thing that I would want to happen for me to um, tell someone to go out and buy something and then it's crap and it falls apart in two seconds, you know? Mm -hmm, right. So um, so that actually just happened recently. A, a, a shoe company offered to send me something amazing deal, whatever. I was like, sure, send me it out. I'll try it out. And they sucked. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not going to call them out and put their name on blast, but they were like super uncomfortable. So I'm not going to share that with my audience. I'm not going to go and put their name on blast on my Instagram either, like saying that they're horrible. But just I think that if I... I, I post like the quality tools that I get. And I think that people have learned that I, that I, that I do that and that I do share the quality things. So that's it. I mean, it is definitely hard when someone offers you something, it's hard to turn it down, but you want people to be able to trust you. Yeah. That, yeah. that is the most important thing, right? Because if you're, if you're just, talking about everything, then you're, you know, just a shill. And it's like, right. well, well I, I don't know if I could trust them or not. And then not only do you lose trust in the audience, but then like the, the good brands at least will see that. And they, they'll be like, yeah, I don't want to like this, this, like she, yeah, she was talking about brand X, brand Y and brand Z all within three months. And they're like the exact same competitors or something, you know? So I think there's a lot of that, that, uh, being true to what you know is, is what you like and what you don't like and not just taking anything off the street that, that shows to your audience as well as to, you know, like, again, the good brands. I mean, like, there's going to always be the brands that just look at a number and don't care who you are and what you do. They just know that you're in this space and that you have X many thousand followers and they want to give you a tool. Um, but, you know, I think the good brands will look to see what your channel is about and how you present. And those are the ones, you know, that are the longer term relationships anyway. So that, that's been, you know, that's been something interesting being in the game for a while now of seeing which brands like actually care, like, like what kind of questions does a brand ask you or how do they even come up or like, how does even the, the email look? Like, I'm sure you've probably gotten plenty of these by now. That's like, Hey, like, 
three by three custom and like you know maybe there's like an extra space in there so you know it's like <laughs> <Yeah>. auto generated <laughs> or it's like in a different font like hey three like we watch your videos every day i'm like mm -hmm. Okay, first of all, that's impossible because, uh, you know, I've only got like 50 of them and, <laughs> and you know, just all this stuff like, oh, I, like I always want to respond and be like, really, which one did you like? Like, what was the part you liked the best about my latest video? You know, and <laughs> just kind of hit them up on that. But uh, because there's so many people that just reach out uh, when when you get reached out to by brands um, or let me flip it, actually. So have you like when you first started and started using the tools? Did you go the other way? Did you let the brands come to you or did you go to them? Like how did that first sponsorship uh, activity start with you? Was it at Haven? Did you get to talk to some folks there and, and go from there? Or um, what did that look like? Yeah, so my first introduction to, to dealing with a brand was definitely Haven. That's when I met with Rayobi and Home Depot. Um, and... Uh, they came to me. I, I didn't. I didn't reach out to them. And there was also other other companies that that I've had um, long term relationships with on my my YouTube for sponsorships who've all reached out to me. I found that any time that I reach out to somebody, um, it's not. I don't get as much <laughs> as I I would like. I think that when someone is reaching out to me, I feel like I I can negotiate better for for the deal because it's like oh they obviously want me for something let me tell them what i need or tell them what i want you know so i think that anytime someone's approached me it's been way better yeah that's i mean i feel like that's pretty common as well and and it is nice to know that uh, a brand or a person or whomever a potential client looked <laughs> actually put a person into one of those emails when they're reaching out and said like hey <laughs> We watch so and so project, and you know, for instance, we love your 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 Dow drawer sliders or something. You know, you're like, wow, that's not a robot. Like, that's a human. It's so nice, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> it's it's super common. Um, and I and I think it's kind of a, this is an interesting conversation. And Brad and I have talked about, I think, on the show in the past is is how um, oversaturated the community has become with people looking for kind of free, just with, I guess you could call it, inattention. Uh, as far as brand go, brands go, um, and you know, it it does become a, a bit of a internal struggle to go. You know, do I want to work with this company? Do I not? Like, do I actually like their products? Like, what if their competition comes to the board? Like, do I want to stay, you know, blanket with certain tool companies, and do I mind working with others? And um, I think there's a lot more thought that goes into that than people give us credit for. They're like, oh, these 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 influencers just take whatever people give them, and I'm like. Uh, not so much. I know there's a, a lot of us just, you know, hold out, not hold out, but do hold the value of the relationship with the brand and our own brands to a higher, a, a kind of like a, a higher tier in, in, in which we all actually care a lot about who we're associated with. And like you said, the, you know, you can't go out there and put products on your, on your content and in your content, excuse me, that you, that aren't any good just for a a couple bucks because your audience will see through that and it'll eventually turn into a, a negative influence on on whatever you're putting out there. And um, and in all honesty, I, I don't ever actually really catch your your brand placements and stuff. So you're really good at keeping it like nice and passive. I know we're, we're all actually in similar programs and we all actually work with similar brands, uh, the, the three of us, which I find to be fantastic. And uh, and I think that like 
holding that quality of the brand relationship, but at, to a, I guess like closer to your, closer to your chest and like, and you know, actually caring about it. Um, it's something that's vastly important for anyone who wants to be an influencer and like, is a great, is a great piece of advice to take away from what you're talking about for anyone listening that thinks that they might want to start working with brands or working with companies. It's, it's, I think it's 100% what you were touching on. You don't have to take everything that comes in the door. Um, and that you definitely want to be weary of blanket emails who spell your name wrong and potentially want to send you shoes that you can't penetrate with a nail and that also don't <laughs> you move. You knew what I was talking about. Oh yeah, <laughs> we all get them. I was like, I have a. I was like, ah, it's okay. I have a. I have a. I have a shoe sponsor. I can't work with you. Appreciate you reaching out. They're like, we'll send you twelve pairs. I'm like what? What <laughs> kind of response is that? <laughs> but, uh, but um, kind of pivoting away from like the brand talk and stuff, I, I want to dive into uh, more of like your ambition as a builder and and your and your kind of journey. We touched on it at the top of the show, and uh, one of the things I find most admirable about about you personally and and three by three custom as a brand is how you've uh, kind of fearlessly navigated the landscape of the DIY and maker community and and carved out like I personally think your own little section of saying like why would I have to fall into these certain stigmas and use certain tools and do things a certain way like and uh, and if you guys aren't familiar with uh with with Tamar's um content it, she she does stuff that is really complex like there is I'm I'm looking at your thumbnails now on your website which is phenomenal by the way and uh, and the projects themselves, like you would never know that your <laughs> your uh, full time emphasis is is on your family life and stuff. It would seem like that you're just cranking out projects daily, like you know. And 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 uh, this is your as as it is your full time quote unquote job that it's you know 100 percent time consuming uh, and an effort. And then the projects themselves are just on another level. Uh, how did you get, how did you kind of look at the spectrum of the typical, I guess, person that could potentially be at Haven in that community and carve out to where you are now with your type of content? Cause I, I personally feel like it's, it's a lot different than when I'm, what you see. Uh, well, what you see first of all, thank you so much for all the kind words. <laughs> oh, you're um, welcome. Second. Um, it's funny you say that. Cause when I was at Haven, um, is when I realized I didn't want to be like, like the people at Haven. No offense to anyone who's at Haven. I just, um, I was at Haven. Like, what yeah, you sorry. Mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, I realized that, um, well, that was more, more directional wise. I, I didn't want to be like a blogger. Sorry to all the bloggers, but I realized at Haven, which is a blogging conference, that 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 world just wasn't for me. And there was a class that um, Ben Ueda gave on on YouTube. And I was like, all right, YouTube is where I want to go. Um, so that's directional wise on my social media stuff. That's when I figured that out. And um, my the type of stuff that I'm making. I don't know. I guess I started building with pocket holes and two by fours and like everyone else. And I guess I just after time realized that the things weren't holding up or I started doing a lot more research into joinery and, and realizing that there was a better way. And so if there is a better way, I need to learn that better way. And um, and <laughs> and I mean, pocket holes have their place. I still use them. They're fine. But 
in other situations where they're not fine, there is a better way. And I felt that it was important for me to learn those things. And I also think that there is a group of people out there who want to move up from the pocket holes. And it's hard when you look at YouTube and you see the the tutorial videos out there on those methods of joinery and things like that. They're a little bit boring. Um, and there, there repetitive, are repetitive, like drilling 150 pocket holes in succession. That, that's not good YouTube content. No, you can get so many different angles, though. Yeah, like, <laughs> of that pocket hole jig. <laughs> um, right. So I, I, I guess I, I personally wanted to make my furniture better, and I also saw that there was a need for for video content at, out there that was helping people move. A step up from pocket holes, you know? So I guess I tr- I'm trying to, I'm not an expert. I'm not going to, I'm not showing anyone how to hand cut dovetails in two minutes, you know, it's, this is, you want to improve your game a little bit or, or something like that. And yeah, it's really just all just trying to better myself, just trying to improve and just trying, and I'll, I'll, I'll go out and I'll look at a magazine and I'll see a picture of a, of a table and be like, that is a really cool table. I want to make something like that. How do I make that? And I'll like examine the picture and I'll see like the joinery that's used. And I'm like, all right, I can figure this out. So I don't, I don't know where it comes from for me wanting to do that, but, but I do. And I hope that, that other people learn from it as well when I, when I post the videos. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I, mean, I have a very similar meth- men- me- mentality. There we go. Um, and like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with pocket holes. I actually have a lot of people who think I hate them and I, and I don't, I think in an application, proper application, there's almost no faster or better way to create, uh, create joints in cabinetry and face frames. Like they're amazing for things like that. I just don't like the over abuse and, and the complacency. It's kind of why I like love Brad's content. Cause you'll always, you go back and you use a lot of pocket holes to make your content approachable, but there's always that next level or little tip or the advice on how to do it better or clean it up or make it seem like a professional piece of furniture that's still approachable or on the other side of it, show a completely different method to do some sort of joinery. Um, and then say, you know, Hey, you can use a pocket hole here, but I decided to do, you know, a, a rabbit joint, uh, or whatever it might be in order you know, for a look I was going for or whatever it might be. Um, so I love I, when I dove into making content, I felt very similar in that, like, I didn't want to compete with people that were already killing it with their, you know, they were in the pocket, in the zone. They knew their audience and they were just hammering out very DIY and basic projects. I was also trying to sell stuff, too. Um, and, and I noticed that, you know, you kind of start out that same mindset, like you said earlier, like I thought three by three custom, I'd just be selling a lot of stuff. And it turned into content that was very similar to where where I started. And um, I think that's why it's so brilliant to go back to the part where you said that your content is based around your journey and not so much around essentially every single situation teaching things, Um, even though you do a great job of that. uh, I know you I mean, you're like there's I I think I saw a video of you like table sawing in the snow or like with your door open or like, I mean, there's, you're not holding, you're like, I need a table saw and I'm in New York. Like I'm not, I, I got to open the garage door. And so, um, there's, there's, 
you're not out there using a you know five horsepower industrial saw stop saw like myself and like going the complete other end of the spectrum. But I uh, I, lo- I I find it amazing that you decided to not just negate an entire segment of the maker community who is you know in into using certain joinery, but constantly over time getting better. Um, I noticed you're doing some more hand cut dovetails and stuff, and I love seeing the uh, addition. I'm I'm uh, learning a ton from like your jig making experience that you're starting to put out there because I think it's I I mean it's like uh, Brad, how many John Hines and Izzy Swan videos have you and I probably watched over the years that are just these insanely complex jigs? And now tomorrow you're like you're cranking them out too. I'm like this is amazing. Like my my brain doesn't function that way. I'm not like how can I move this thing on a pivot point in order to give me an angle. I'm like, uh, Brad. I just oh, call yeah, Brad. The, I'm like, Brad, hey, uh, engineer guy. <laughs> How yeah, do you do the, this? Yeah. So I'm, I'm loving that. I think that's a fantastic way to make woodworking specifically more approachable is understanding why something's shaped the way it is or how it goes together. It doesn't necessarily always have to be a butt joint. Like you can, you can do a lot more complex things. How did you get to that point where you, where you started to more than just see a piece of furniture but understand um, multiple ways that it could be put together. You know, was that was that something you put a lot of time and effort into studying and content? Uh, I know you said magazines earlier. Or uh, where do you kind of get that sort of wealth of knowledge from? Like, I really don't have a good answer for this. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. What we do here I just, is just put you on the spot. <laughs> I, like, I I know this sounds crazy, but I've actually had a dream that showed me like to do like a method of joinery that like, I'm like, Oh my God, I woke, I woke up and I was like, Oh my God, I could do it that way. Like, I don't know where it comes from. Sometimes. So are you drinking like some but- crazy tea before bed? Or like, what <laughs> this is like, I, the, I, this peyote? Like, what I like I'm on um, Amazon right now. I had this it. trip. And I, All right, uh, it's called. Um, um, <laughs> oh, uh, no, I really don't know. I do watch a lot of YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. I did uh, learn. I'm, I'm, a student of YouTube. That's where I learned most of my stuff. Um, so I guess just like seeing all these things and being ingrained in my brain somewhere, like just things just start clicking at some point, you know, I, I don't know when that moment was when it started to click, but there definitely was a moment where, where things started to open up and I started to understand more. And I, I guess that just came with practice and trial and error and trying things out and seeing that it didn't work. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm just never afraid to, to try something yeah. and I'm not afraid to fail. Like if it fails, it fails, you try again, you know? So I guess that's kind of where things started to click. Yeah. I think yeah. that, I mean, I think it's, <laughs> I think it comes through in your projects and all honesty, I, there's some things that I'm, I, I look at and I'm like, wow, she's, she's good for her. Like that is not easy. Like I've tried that failed and like dumped all the content away and buried it. And you're like, all right, this, this, this is hard and you just show it. So I think there's a, I think there's a great takeaway in that for anyone listening. It's like, even if you're just trying and you're concerned about, uh, you know, is this approachable or like, should I be putting content on around this kind of stuff? Like, you know, if, (laughs) if you're willing to, I think if you're willing to put yourself out there, that's where people really start to buy into the brand more than just putting out a piece of content that potentially does well. It's, all encompassing and getting people to buy into what you're trying to do and what your mission is, is to, you know, help people be inspired to do uh, better quality and, and try new things, which I, which I think it definitely comes across in your projects and stuff. So kudos to that. 
Yeah. As so, I want I want to hit a little bit of the family and work life balance because as a oh, as yeah. a fellow parent, and um, you know now working full time, I you know I'm I'm sitting front row at it now. Uh, so like as a as a full time mom, there we have a lot of listeners also that are stay at home moms or stay at home dads that are have the kids, and then it's like they have this extra time when the kids are in school, and they're like you know picking up the hobby, and then they figure out oh it's business. How how has that journey been for you as far as uh, with more success and more commitments like signing up for brand deals and different things? Obviously, like now all of a sudden you're not just working on your own timeline. You you actually have deadlines that you need to meet for certain sponsors. Uh, you know how how have you balanced that and how have you you know how has the the tension between the work and the family life worked out? And you know what what's that look like and what kind of learnings have you figured out uh, as far as like either better ways to do it or do you block off certain time or just like after you know 6 p.m i'm never in the shop like how have you been dealing with that yeah so definitely it's a struggle to find the balance um i i i my weekends are for my family so i don't work on the weekends i'm not in the shop on the weekends that's family time. And I think that that's very important that I block off that time for the family. And, um, there was a time that I wasn't doing that and it wasn't good. It like, I was too focused on work. I needed to be more focused on my family. So now I made it a point weekends are for family. So that is number one that is helpful. And I know that could be hard for people who are doing have multiple jobs and they're doing this as a side hustle and their weekends is their time to get all their, their woodworking and, and all this done. I know that that could be really hard, but, um, thankfully that I'm able to block off that time and, and that's been working for us. Um, during the week, I think that having a, a regimented schedule has been, is helpful for me. So every night, um, I, I make the same dinners <laughs> every day of the week. So Mondays is always the same. Tuesday is always the same. Nice. So I never Taco have to think Tuesday. about uh, well, we have fish and on uh, Tuesdays, but whatever. tacos yeah. got to be. Yeah, I, yeah, okay. I know. Whatever. It's, it's okay. It's, yeah, fish tacos. There you oh, go. Brian, <laughs> open your mind. <laughs> I like that. But right. so putting, um, putting, so I, putting so dinner on easy. Like, yeah. So it's just something that I don't have to think about. It's something that's it's rote and it's and it's become part of the schedule and the kids get like upset if I change it. They're like, ah, it's Monday. Where's the lasagna? And so like, <laughs> they'll like freak out. Um, so having some sort of set schedule with everything definitely helps. Um, as soon as the kids come home, which is like three o'clock, I shut the doors to the shop. I'm not out in there. Um, I, I can't work when they're around. Like I just like, not only is it dangerous, like for the tools to be around, but like my mind just doesn't, work when they're around when I'm when I'm in the shop it's like um I, I try to like think of a way to do something and I'll like totally mess something up because I'm like focused on on them and what they're doing so I just shut it down I'm with them and do homework after three o'clock um and then after they go to bed is when I do most of my computer work so that's I do nighttime editing blog posts I know I'm not a blogger website posts whatever um, and, um, so I think having that schedule and figuring all that out really helps. 
there are some times when things switch around and it's all messed up, like kids are homesick or there's vacations and things like that and everything gets all messed up. But from day to day, the schedule and making sure to stick to it is is what's really helpful. Yeah, there's this crazy thing. Like it, I don't know. It's, if I feel like it happens every year. Um, but it's called summer. <laughs> the kids are home. And it is it is such an interesting thing because like when when I used to work in corporate, like summer was just like a change in temperature. Like it wasn't, you know, it's like, oh, the kids are home, but I, I, I was never home. Like I left every morning at seven and got home at like six and and summer and uh, school time looked all the same to me because the kids were there when I left and they were there when I got home both times. Um, and, you know, my wife would tell me about crazy things that happened during the day more often in the summer than, uh, than in the school year. But uh, working from home in the summer is just it is so crazy how it changes because because there's no there is no three o'clock. Right. So now it's like the kids are home. And, and so we've tried to do other things like, you know, camps and different things, especially as, as Susan, my wife, is working closer with the business. It's, you know, she's not on duty all the time. And so we're trying to figure that out. You know, what what does the summer look like? How do you how do you handle the summer barrage? You you know, do you have uh, your mom down the road? You can just be like, yo, here, go to <laughs> go to grandma's or how do yeah, you no, deal with the, I, the summertime? Um, yeah. So you, you touched on it, uh, the camps. <laughs> um, they're, we're lucky enough. There's like basketball camps and, and things like that. And yes. uh, keeps them busy for a few hours. And and I could get some work done about yeah, it's it's tough. It's crazy how it comes around every year. I like oh yeah. summer. I yeah. used to love summer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like oh, there's all these people in the house. What are, what are they doing? Why are there, just, there are kids on the other side of the door right as we speak. I'm like, here's Netflix. Just be quiet. And just, yeah, we're recording up. We're recording podcasts for the next four hours. I so. think if you just like chilled on the background noise, Brad, and just let me run my AC. Like, but if you guys wanted, I'm I'm profusely sweating right now because we take. Unmade for profit, we take sound quality to the next level. Like it is imperative. We, we have no background noise. But anyway, if you just allowed the kids to run rampant back there, Brad, I think it could add, you know, some, add something some flavor. To it. Yeah. Let's yeah, authenticity. Let's, yeah. Just, yeah. Open, just <laughs> open the doors. But but I, I was uh I was having a conversation with a couple of my buddies uh over the weekend on how like when we were like seven, eight or nine, like we just hop on our bikes and like <laughs> We just go miles away from the house the and day, like be yeah. gone forever and just like leave a note, be like, you know, I'm at this. I lived close to the school. Like we're over at the school on the playground. Like if you, you like lost a tooth or like, you know, broke a leg, you just like drag your friend home. Like that's can't really do that these days. Do that anymore. No. <laughs> so so I, I don't have any kids, so I can't relate. But I can definitely I am definitely sympathetic because I know. You know, Brad and I deal very closely with each other. How he's like, oh, gotta go. Kids, kids just walked. Oh, the emergency! Like, oh, hold on. And he's always running to something. So I, I, I can imagine how difficult that work-life balance is. And it's always admirable to see someone able to do do both of them. But I love your, I love your point there of like setting and sticking to a schedule. Right? I think in any business kind of setting, if you set a schedule and stick to it, you're you're definitely going to falter on being getting more things done and feeling more, uh, I guess, feeling less stressed about getting things done when you set yourself a schedule. And uh, and that's a it's a piece of advice Brad and I have been giving for years. Both of us still struggle with it. But for years, we've been saying, like, if you you know have a meeting with yourself on a Monday, get your s- schedule set for the week, um, you know, and, and if, especially if your kids are home for summer and, 
and they're going, you know, they're, they're moving and, and traveling. Brad's always like, Hey, we got to go 15 minutes, you know, later or earlier, I got to drop someone off or pick them up. Like if you don't have that schedule set, things can easily just get out of hand. Um, so anyone listening, get, get that scheduling meeting with yourself done, you know, like stick to it too. If you, if you, you'll really find, I feel like a lot of weight lifted off yourself as we're getting married and my family's becoming more entwined with my fiance's family. You know, there's a lot more things to balance there. And I'm realizing is like, if I don't put something on the schedule, one, I'll forget. And two, I'll be like in the shop dirty as can be like needing to go to a dinner somewhere in a suit that I like had no clue was there. And it's all because I don't sit down in my schedule at the beginning of the week. Um, so I think that's a good piece of advice for anyone listening. So tomorrow, as you've been getting into the business aspect of this, what, you know, has your background, um, you know, from a business perspective, did you have any experience running that? You know, how's it looked as far as getting into like the, the contract negotiation, like all the business side that a lot of people don't think about, uh, what, what has that experience been like for you? Is it comfortable for you? Is it something, you know, do you have help that brings in for, you know, invoicing and just all that extra stuff that, that goes along with working, you know, your own business? So I'm lucky enough that I have a husband who works in businesses. Ah, <laughs> so, yes. um, so he helps me out with a lot of that stuff. Um, at first, I had no idea what I was doing. And he's been teaching me. And it, we had a, a, a running joke when we were first married. And he was always trying to teach me things about business. And I would like close off my ears. I just didn't want to learn it. <laughs> um, and he was like, all right, so let's say you have a dollar. <laughs> like, um, so now I'm, I'm learning to understand it. My previous jobs, I didn't have to do this. I used to work in, um, in advertising actually. So, um, I have a media background and I didn't have to, I didn't have to learn any of this stuff, but, um, now I'm learning and it's, it's been pretty easy to learn and figure out, but I do have the help. So. That is nice. Yeah. As you've, as you've been going through, like, uh, as a business owner, what has been like, what has been the most challenging from the business side, the business perspective that you, you know, maybe didn't expect. Cause I was, it's like, you take for granted as after you've been doing this for a while, uh, about the, the folks coming in new and it's like, oh my gosh, like I had no idea that I needed to be paying quarterly taxes or something like that. You know, they're like, and I got huge hit with a huge bill, which I absolutely did my first year. So. <laughs> <laughs> I do it every year, knowingly. Like, I want to suffer at the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, what? It's uh, a good question. You're like, I'm just too good. I, I don't, nothing, nothing challenges me. I just hit it head on. No, I, I guess. Um... Hold on. <laughs> Drum roll. I know. We're going with the heavy questions. Today. You ask just, like really tough questions. That's, that's um, where all the good stuff is. Yeah. Yeah. With no preface, by the way. Mm. We don't send any yeah. sheets that we're like, hey, no, we're, no, talk, we're, we're not like thinking about, about your invoicing this. software today. Yeah. yeah. You know, how, how are you balancing your books? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it doesn't have to be like, you know, that. Not trying to put you on. I mean, we are putting you on the spot. I'm putting you on the spot, obviously. But uh, just wondering, you know, as as you sit there, like anything that you maybe didn't expect, or like, or like, oh man, like, like, like I said, for me, it was it was like the taxes, or like dealing with the um, like one of the things I always find challenging is when working with multiple brands is uh, the whole contract negotiation process, and and not even not the negotiation side of it, just dealing with the legal departments and dealing with. Like it can be so drawn out and turn into 
legitimately 62 emails. You know, I've, I've had like one, I think that's my record so far, like 62 or 64 emails. You know, when you're in your Gmail and you look at it and it's like, reply 64. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? how? I've spent Dude, more time than I'm going to do on the project. My on this outlook email. says 12,207. <laughs> and I know I responded to like 170 emails on Sunday. I'm like, what? All yes. right. So I think I have an answer. Yes. <laughs> I think the hardest thing for me is um, when negotiating is putting out a number that I think I should be getting. That's a Find now, is that, so say more about that, like, like, so, because you, like, you feel I like think, it's too high or you don't know I, how to value yourself. I think that the, for the amount of work that I put in, I should be getting paid X amount. $25,000. But it's a very high number and it's scary. What, like, I mean, it's scary to be, what if, what if they say no, you know? Right. So I think that that is the, the hardest thing for me is to evaluate myself and realize what I'm worth and like, see if somebody else sees if somebody else is on the same page and somebody else sees that the work that I'm doing is worth it as well. Yeah. Oh, I love that because most people struggle the opposite way. Most people struggle in that they undervalue themselves. Well, and, I end and, up undervaluing myself because of that. Uh, because of the not anymore. struggle and not, <laughs> not wanting to so say that's, that's really interesting because I think that, so it's it's kind of the there's two ways to get into it and and yours is kind of the interesting other way is that uh, I think most people don't think they're worth enough and then they're always like oh like you know nobody would pay me that much but then that's an interesting flip side to be like well I you know I'm I'm doing a ton of work and like to make this worth my time I think it's this but that's scary to ask for and it is uh, you know that's like I I absolutely did the same thing when I first started out is that. Um, I was scared of no. And I was like, well, it, especially as you're starting as a new business owner. And if you are, uh, you know, reliant on that money, it's like, well, you know, do I push like, okay, I, I really think this is worth 1500, but I, what if they say no, I really need the money. So I'm going to ask for 900 because, or, you know, 975, because I feel like I'm being under a thousand dollars, you know, that they're going to be more receptive and, and you can get caught into that, into that trap. Uh, and, and the interesting thing that I found and in all through business, like I think when you get into a business situation like that and negotiations is that most people think about it personally. They think about like that if you're giving a number that's too high, that you're going to offend them. And it, by and large, um, that is not true. Right. By and large, like it, this is, is a business game. It is a numbers game and they have a budget. And if they they have a number in mind, if if you say two times that number, you know, they might be like, whoa, OK, but like they're not going to think like, oh, this person's, you know, yeah, like, they're going to oh. respond still. They're not going to be exactly like I it always always thought about that um, because I think a lot of people have that experience when like for house buying and you never want to like because that is like very personal. Right. You're talking about putting a value on somebody's house. Like if somebody lowballs, they'll be like, I'm not even responding. Like, this is ridiculous. I'm but, offended. Right. But in a business, that's not what happens. Like you're always going to get a response, even if it's even if it's like that is way more than we can offer. I'm sorry. Like we can only offer what we offered. Like they they're not going to just be like if you come back with a different number, they're not going to be like, nope, offers off the table. We're done. <laughs> like You can always go back to that original offer that they put out there. And that's why I, I always try to get a company to put the number out first, because then at least you've got a point in the sand. 
Because if you do like, if they're like, Hey, what's your pricing? Um, you know, I'll try to tease it out by saying, well, what's your budget? <laughs> because mm-hmm. you know, that at least Brad's getting like, what's something, your pricing? yeah, what's your pricing? I don't know. What's yours. You tell me, show me yours well, and I'll show you mine. How many cans of Mountain Dew do you sell this week? <laughs> right. So, uh, I, I like hearing that. So how have you, uh, how have you teetered with that? Like, what, what's your, give us a little insight into the negotiation strategy. How have you either gotten comfortable with it or, you know, have you found anything that's helped you get closer to the number that you're looking for uh, when you're, when you're trying to put that pitch together to a brand or responding to an offer that they were giving you? Um, yeah, no, it's still hard. I still undervalue myself <laughs> and that's why I struggled. Um, um, no, I, I think I have, I have, I have become more confident in, in telling the brands what, what I, what my price is. And, um, um, it just, it just takes time to get comfortable with. And, and I think as time goes and as I, as those, those, um, conversations happen, it just, I have put myself out there and I had one, like there was one time that I like threw out a number. I'm like, there's no way they're going to say yes. And they did say yes. I was like, oh my God, I need to do this more often. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I'm getting more comfortable. I, I am getting more comfortable with it now. So uh, it just took a while, but hopefully it'll keep going. Yeah. Do you do you feel like there was a, a, anything that kind of put you over the top? Like, was it one brand that like actually came to the table with a number where you were like, wow, I am worth that? Or was it like a project? Because I know a lot of uh, our listeners who do custom work will undervalue their their sale price, right? And Brad and I are like, no, like you're not going to ever make money if you sell this low. Like you need to stop going on Etsy for research. And like, you know, we so we came out with a pricing guide and um, negotiating contracts with brands. It's a little bit different, but I know that I personally, like when I hit one brand deal that I looked at and was like, well, if they're willing to give me this, then I could definitely do better. Did you ever, do you have one of those experiences or like what got you to where you started to build that confidence that you could, uh, that you could kind of, I don't know, I guess, inspire others to be like, Hey, you you can just like get past this barrier. You'll realize that like you don't deserve pennies (laughs) because we're, we're constantly dealing with those kind of questions. Uh, I, I can't, um, recall one situation that's, that's been like that yet. Um, just been like a gradual build of you. Being yeah. Like, I'm, yeah. It's just been gradual. I'm a beast. You're going to pay for it. <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's also nice to have, uh, resources too, whether those oh, are yeah. other creators and just being like, you know, Hey, what, what are you, what are you charging around or rather or like social blue book, which we've you know, referred a lot of folks to that. That's, you know, at least a, a broad, you know, scope of what people are charging across different industries because it's not obviously specific to DIY and woodworking. And that's, you know, it, it's interesting, like you talked about tomorrow, like some brands, um, like you could have the exact same project and depending upon what kind of brand you're putting on it, whether it's like, you know, a three person uh, family owned business, right? That might be one rate and or it's a fortune 100 company that might be another rate that they can afford. Uh, and you might quote them what, you know, the, the family owned business and be like, what? I can't afford that. And then the other guys are like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do three of them. Like totally. <laughs> that's, uh, that's why it's so strange, right. As, as a content creator that it's not like, um, I mean, I guess it is a bit like custom furniture, but, uh, from the sense of that, if you've got a walnut dining table, there's an inherent value there, uh, that, you know, you can build into it. And I think people are, are more easily to price it and be like, yeah, that's a consistent price of what we should pay for that. But uh, when you're talking about 
content and marketing, you know, being in the business world, it's completely different because it's all based upon what they're used to. And big brands are used to big budgets. And so they, you know, are more free and open with their money. And then small mom and pa places, they, a lot, a lot of them won't even pay. A lot of them don't have any budget. And they just say, hey, we can give you free product and we'd love to work with you, but that's all we can do. And you're like, okay, well, that's great. And if you believe in them, then yeah, maybe you do. And, and, you know, you're probably not going to give them like a title sponsor in the same amount, but, you know, you can work with brands in different ways, uh, even though they have different budgets and still not, not feel, I mean, that's an interesting thing, like, because just to know that some brands just can't physically do it, right? But if you believe in the product, maybe you still show it to your audience uh, because it's really awesome. And you think like, hey, this is going to benefit the folks that are watching my stuff. So I want to share it with them. For sure. There's um, one of the companies that was the, one of the brands that was the first ones to reach out to me and to sponsor my videos. Um, So it was right when I first started. So it was a low number that I gave them, but they've continued to stay with me and stay with my channel. And I love their products and I love using their products. So it, I, I give them a good deal, you know, and it's because I've had this relationship with them and they were really like the first ones to, to approach me and, and start sponsoring me. So, so I think that the relationship there is more important than, 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 than the price that they're going to be paying. So, um, love yeah. That. As you grow, it's great. Well, they, because and as you grow, like I think, same thing, right? It, at some point, um, you know, that when you're giving them more and more press and audience size and traffic and and sales from the things that you're doing, like that, you know, they'll be able to grow with you. But at the same point, those are those are some of the best ones, and I have some of those as well, where it's like, okay, like these, like I know you can only afford so much, and so that's cool. Like, uh, you know, what we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, and you still have that conversation like, hey, you know, my channel's tripled since we started. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you got any more room? Because it'd be kind of great. Uh, because at the same time, it does take up like, you know, a quote unquote inventory slot of like, if you're going to be doing an ad for somebody or using that, um, that, you know, you got to get the most value. But but the money is not everything. So that's a that's a really great oh, yeah. way to look at that. Yeah, I think I, I mean, taking it on the chin to work with brands that you want to sometimes like I know we all work with a brand specifically that I was like, hey, guys, and like massaged them for like two years. And now, fortunately, they're working with a lot more creators in the community. And we're all fortunate to be able to, you know, shine, shine light on them and, 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 and help them out. But I, you know, you have to you have to work for a little bit less than what the market is for a little bit. And uh and it's worth it in the end, right? If you're if you're willing to put the brand first, kind of like we talked about at the beginning of the show, if you put your own brand first, um, it'll prevail long term. And I, and I feel like it's a, a lot of that like kind of long term play here in this conversation compared to short wins, uh, specifically with like you know your your content strategy, our content strategy, mindset, like lifestyle. Like there's no need to sacrifice all of this stuff right now for a small win when this is all long play. Right. And, and I think it all, go, it all transitions into how you're working with brands too. So that was, uh, totally. yeah, that's definitely something I can relate to. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, we are coming up on the hour tomorrow. So one thing we do like to hit our guest with is a piece of advice for the audience. And with, with all the, the newness of you coming up, I'm sure you've gone through a lot of different things. Uh, what's one piece of advice that you'd like to share that you think would be helpful for uh, folks going on this similar journey? Well, I think that the most important thing that my, I think my channel puts out there is that 
don't be afraid to fail. Just go for it. Like you will fail. (laughs) You will for sure fail. And when you do, it's just how you figure out how to fix the problem and you just make it work in some other way. It, It just that feeling of figuring it out is just so amazing. And that'll push you to be better and do better on the next project and just want to be better and just don't be afraid to try anything new. Um, because if you've never tried anything new, you're never going to grow and your projects won't get better and you will, uh, I was going to say something bad, but <laughs> <laughs> just, just, uh, yeah, just don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. Hey, that, that's a great piece of advice because there's so many, so many folks, uh, are scared of it and that limits them. And then you miss opportunities, not only in personal growth, but in other things too. Right. So that great project that turns out like, like your, you know, like your wooden drawer slides, like there's probably been projects that you're like, I don't know if this is going to work, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then that project, because it was something that was a little bit off center or something that was new and challenging catches somebody's eye because those, those are the ones where you do excel, right? Is like the stuff that you're scared of. Like most of the times, something you feel really confident about is not going to be the one that's the standout project for you. It's going to be the ones that you're scared about where there's a little bit of, of risk and unknown. For sure. So we we absolutely love that advice. And I need to do more of that. Uh, I, yeah, I really challenge myself. Like, I never know. Like, I mean, is this 24-inch cabinet going to act exactly like that 20-inch cabinet was? I don't know. I mean, I'm going out on a limb, but uh, you know, storage <laughs> cabinets, <laughs> they... <laughs> I, I like to build a lot of the same stuff. Uh, I just call it different things. I'm like, here's a base cabinet. Now I'm going to hang it on a wall. It's a wall cabinet. Now I'm going to put a drill press on it, and it's a drill press cabinet. I it like cabinets. And now a table saw cabinet. Yeah, that's called and that's called bread and butter. It's called bread and butter. That's in uh, the pocket, not in the pocket, in the pocket hole, as I like to to say. Uh, <laughs> all right, before this turns into Brad's stand up hour uh, tomorrow. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation and hearing a little bit more about your thought process and uh, how you've been growing and uh, as a both a builder and a a businesswoman and business owner now. So uh, we are super happy for you and love watching your growth. And we've been really inspired by by your whole journey. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Always fun to talk to you guys. Absolutely. What a great episode. I love talking with people like Tamar who are just go-getters, not afraid of failure at all. And actually, since this episode, Tamar has actually, or since we've recorded, Tamar has actually released a table that is amazing, has all kinds of crazy angles going on. Kind of blew my mind. Make sure you go check that out. You can see her YouTube channel, her Instagram, and her website, all the links to that. You can just head over to madeforprofit.com forward slash episode 108, and we'll have all the links there. Also, make sure you are checking us out over on Facebook. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, you can go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash made for profit tribe. All right. Well, I'm going to go head over to the after show uh, without John because he's not here. All right, guys, we'll catch you next week.